I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This is Bill Duncliffe. Welcome back to Can Do, the podcast about all things horse racing. Some history, some handicapping, and some humor. Before we start this week's podcast, I want to draw your attention to a worthy cause. Odonis Acuna, a longtime exercise rider for trainer Kenny McPeak, was killed in a training accident at Churchill Downs on Saturday, November 10th, when the horse he was riding broke down. Odonis, originally from Cuba, leaves behind a wife and three children. A GoFundMe page has been set up to take care of the funeral expenses and provide support for his wife and children. I hope all of you will visit that page and contribute. People like Odonis are the hidden backbone of our sport and deserve our respect and support. Thanks so much for taking the time to consider and hopefully contribute. Now let's get on to this week's show. Kelly Smith-Lawless joins us to talk about, among other things, her Kelly Picks method of organizing and analyzing handicapping data and her horse racing travels. Jamie Michelson rejoins us to talk about a big score he authored. And finally, public handicapper founder Scott Carson rejoins us as our guest handicapper this week. So let's get on with the show. My guest today is Kelly Smith-Lawless, handicapper extraordinaire, handicapping contest veteran, enjoying an active retirement after a long career in New York State government. Kelly, thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Bill. Thanks for having me. So, Kelly, I have to ask, do you find yourself in your retirement spending more time on horse racing than you did pre-retirement? Oh, absolutely. Uh, thankfully. Uh, it was very frustrating uh, when I was working because to be able to squeeze in time to handicap and really figure it out. I mean, I get so excited on big race days. I start prepping like a week in advance for Breeders' Cup and Kentucky Derby and get all excited about how I'm going to spend my money, make sure I fund my accounts. So, uh, yep, I can absolutely say definitely in retirement, uh, I'm enjoying uh, more horse racing amongst well, others. Well, you hit on something that's really tough, uh, particularly on you know big days and, and for contests as well, right? It's the time crunch, the preparation. Um, you know, some of these online contests, you've got 12 races on, un- you know, some on unfamiliar tracks and less than 48 hours. So, Time is uh, time is your friend then in retirement, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's actually uh, uh, partially why I created my uh, thingy that I call Kelly Picks, uh, was because it was very frustrating when I was working because I never had enough time to handicap. And uh, so I used to uh, take all the raw data from the past performance and painstakingly enter it into a uh, Excel spreadsheet. Oh, man. Uh, taking wow. uh, quite a bit of time. Yeah. And uh, with my brother, he was like, my brother's a, <clears throat> a brilliant programmer. And he uh, said, oh, I could help you out with that. So he says, if you can think it, I can program it. Uh, so that from there, the gauntlet was laid. And I uh, uh, developed uh, an analysis tool that uh, I could then upload raw data from the DRF formulator prog- uh, product mm. and uh, upload it into my brother's uh, server. Uh, it's just seven little files, but it takes me all of uh, four or five minutes to handicap any track, any day, wow. pretty much anywhere in the U.S. Uh, it doesn't really work well with Time Form or Dubai or sure. or uh, mm-hmm. Longchamp-type races, but uh, for the U.S., the consistent data format, uh, I'm able to uh, handicap a card with in uh, probably five minutes or less. So is your brother available for hire, and what does he charge per hour? <laughs> <laughs> He actually did it for his high school reunion too, but uh, I, I, he's working too hard. He just got a relatively uh, new job, and so he's going back to school. Oh boy! And okay. uh, yeah, I know. And uh, so he's uh, 
I, I need them to get, to get back on the project, but uh, there's a lot more I want to do in the future. But uh, uh, he's pretty good, and uh, you know, it's it's uh, pretty robust, and uh, it's uh, very helpful for me, so, especially picking out some bombs that I might overlook or ignore. <clears throat> yeah. So, so Kelly, I imagine you had an initial thought about how to construct Kelly picks, and then. I imagine you have kind of refined it over the years as well, right? Um, is it a is it one of those processes that you're kind of constantly tinkering with, or is it pretty kind of set in stone at this point? Uh, it's it's. I would like to uh, uh, tinker with it some more. I have done some minor things, like uh, when I first created it uh, and and validated that my brother programmed everything correctly, and we did some minor tweaks. Uh, I, uh, I got him to add some speed figures. Uh, into it and he added that but uh, there's a lot more that I would really like to add uh, it doesn't take into account um, pace it doesn't take into account class changes and other changes like surface and jocks and I would think that would be easy enough to program um, and uh, so it's just a matter of uh, him having some free time and uh, me uh, putting it on paper and then, uh, you know, and, and I'd also like to see if they've added any new data elements to a formulator over time, too, because uh, that's what makes it fun. Well, he did say, if you can think it, he can program it. So you know, it sounds like you've already got your thoughts. You just need to get his time, right? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, so Kelly, when, when your picks come out on, on Kelly Picks, do you blindly follow those, or are there times when you make an adjustment on the spot because of, you know something maybe you read or or saw on the you know the horses as they're walking over to the track do you, do you make any adjustments or do you, do you follow it blindly uh it depends on how much time i have like when i played the uh, contest this past weekend and i had all of a uh, half hour to handicap i relied quite heavily on uh, uh, kelly picks but typically uh it's just you know one factor into my handicapping uh, i did it really more out of frustration when i'd handicap i would always look at different factors uh, one day I'd, I'd put more into pace, another time I would put in uh, recency of uh, winning performance, another day I'd be changes, and I'd, and I'd have obviously varying results on a regular basis, and it drove me absolutely insane. Uh, so I said, I, I, I love a little consistency, uh, and uh, so as a consequence, um, <clears throat> that's how I, I started. Uh, but I, I, you know, the, because it, it does have some limitations, I will run Kelly Pex, then I'll, I'll handicap the card. I won't look at Kelly Pex. Uh, I'll figure okay. out who I like, and then I will uh, actually look at it uh, and then try to figure out who do I like in the race uh, based on what Kelly Pex saw, what I saw, just, uh, you know, going through my normal handicapping and yeah. marking up a program. I'm still a paper girl. I just love my paper. <laughs> I, I have not quite uh, gone to the uh, world of uh, the internet and being, you know, being able to uh, do everything electronically uh, on the fly. I, I just uh, find being able to write notes, even though I know you can write it in Formulator, uh, being able to write notes on the program or, or different things, you know, patterns seem to jump out at me as I can mark it up. Uh, and I just find filters you end up dropping off things that maybe, you know, you, you didn't want to drop. So right, right. I much more helpful to uh, combine the two. And, uh, you know, Kelly Peck has an amazing way of, you know, popping up some really good price horses that I wouldn't necessarily consider, uh, especially cheap claimings, uh, some maiden, 
maiden races, I find, are also uh, pretty helpful. So, so give if you don't mind, Kelly, give us an example of one that popped up uh, recently and, and kind of what, what it surfaced that maybe you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Well, <clears throat> what, what um, Kelly Pex basically uh, looks at um, uh, winning percentages for current year for both the horse. <clears throat> I'm a, a big fan of uh, horses for the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm always looking to uh, <clears throat> see if there are, uh, um, you know, horses that favor a particular track. I also look at trainers, jockeys, uh, blinkers, buyers, uh, and workouts. And uh, so, you know, it, it, all of those uh, factors kind of get calculated as, you know, three points, five points, seven points, and then it all gets added together. And, uh, and then it prints in order. Uh, horses that uh, <clears throat> come out uh, at a different angle. Uh, so one that I, I kicked myself that I didn't fly uh, over over the summer was a horse, uh, Cape Angel, and uh, Kelly Picks had it uh, calculated at uh, uh, 53, uh, and the next one down was uh, 37 points. Mm. So that was a uh, like a 16-point uh, differential. Mm. And Cape, Ang- uh, Cape Angel just romped. Uh, and uh, won the race. It was also one of my husband uh, husband's uh, favorite angles, uh, theatrical on turf. And uh, so afterwards, I was like really kicking myself, saying, "Woulda, shoulda, coulda, but didn't." Yeah, and, uh, that's the bane of our existence, right? Uh, if, yes. If I'm recalling correctly, I when think I think Cape Angel was like twelve to one, also, right? Um, if I'm recalling yeah, the right it was, race. And, uh, yeah. 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 And, uh, but I did not to rub it in, but (laughs) in uh, New Jersey and I won on it. So I, I, at least I, I won on the coulda, woulda, shoulda. All right. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Well, you know, there's the old saying too, that no one ever been enough on a winning horse, right? I mean, you know, absolutely. it's just, uh, one of the, one of the, that's one of the other banes of our existence I get. Uh, Kelly, you have traveled to a lot of tracks around the country. I know, um, what is the favorite track that you have visited and why? Uh, uh, that's a, a really tough question because um, there are so many awesome ones. I have several favorites. Obviously, Saratoga. Uh, love Del Mar. I went there for Breeders' Cup last year. Santa Anita for Breeders' Cup. Oakland. Uh, we went to go see the uh, uh, race that never was uh, with Zenyatta mm. and Alexandra. Uh, what a cute little town and, uh, Tampa, super friendly. And of course, uh, Longchamp in, in, uh, Paris. Uh, but I have to say that if I had to pick one that is my all time favorite, sadly, I'll have to say Saratoga. I mean, yeah. it's not too far away, Yep. uh, but, uh, you know, you talk about traveling to, uh, different ones, but, uh, it's just a different atmosphere about Saratoga. It's, uh, you know, besides the uh, history and the fun town and the things to do and the fact that it's a seasonal boutique meet, which is a common theme of uh, many other other tracks that I like. Uh, but it's the, uh, it, in Saratoga, um, going to the races is just something you do. All, all the locals, they grew up uh, in Saratoga, so they obviously uh, go to the track at least once a year, if not more. Uh, and, uh, somebody joked once they were, they were coming into town and they, <clears throat> it was a rainy day and they saw all these kids going to school and they all had red umbrellas and they were like, geez, how nice it is that the school district gives out umbrellas. 
And it's like, no, 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 no. That's just, you know, Saratoga giveaway, giveaway. day. Everybody <laughs> has all these things. So all the kids have red umbrellas going to school on a rainy day. Uh, uh, oh, that's uh, really funny. <laughs> so... Yeah, the locals. Yeah, uh, the locals like to grab the uh, the coupons and get uh, sixteen of them, right? And I guess some went to the kids, and then the others went out on eBay. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. You can always uh, tell. You know, and it's so funny to see all these people with these huge garbage bags and things like that with all the giveaways on on those particular days. And uh, but uh, <clears throat> it's uh, something that we all look forward to. What's the schedule? What's coming out? What are the races? And, of course, people have their favorite spots, their favorite trees, their favorite memories of different places. And, uh, you know, I've experienced just about every part of the track, uh, you know, from the fancy dining rooms to the back stretch to uh, the top of the stretch to uh, some of the tents, uh, the little tin cans they had at the the end of the uh, finish line. Uh, So it's just uh, so great to experience. And... uh, whether you're just a $2 better or a $1,000 better, it's got something for everybody. I, I always think of Saratoga as, uh, you know, it has the class and prestige of a Keeneland, like the quality of racing, but it's also a little bit of a country fair atmosphere in the backyard, the picnic area, the, the bands that are playing. Uh, it's just, just very... Uh, Reggie uh, and the red hot foot warmers. Exactly, exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> No, it, it's it's a uh, the atmosphere is terrific, and I think even for people who uh, don't really know anything about racing, uh, they will have an enjoyable day when they go to Saratoga. That's for sure. But you mentioned some others too. Tampa is a nice little place. Uh, oh, got to put Oakland Very on my friendly. list. Got to put Oakland on my list. Yes, got to get there. Oh, it's a wonderful town, and and it's so walkable too. I mean, you could actually stay in a hotel and walk to the track, uh, which is you know part partially the charm of Saratoga, depending upon. Where you actually sure. Yeah. Another one of my favorite things at Saratoga is watching the little kids. I mean, the, because of the access to the jockeys, uh, for those not familiar with the track, uh, after the race, the jockeys walk from the uh, from the track all the way across, to, you know, hundreds of uh, fans uh, and a little walkway to go back to the jocks room. They're they're very exposed and very open and. All these little kids are out there, you know, with little autograph books, uh, trying to get autographs or just to see the jockeys. And it's just so exciting. You know, a lot of times they give them their goggles. And it's just so neat to see, you know, young people being excited about the track. Even older people, I know some folks, you know, love to get, you know, bring in all these uh, framed prints and things like that to get to different jockeys to uh, sign or trainers. And uh, very exciting, but it's just so fun to see the the young people get so excited about it. I know uh, several years ago they were talking about actually moving the jockey's room to the back of the paddock, and I'm like you, I was like, I, I, I hope they never do that because it's it you know the, when the jockeys walk out to go into the paddock when they come back after the race, it is it's a it's a great opportunity and, and watching the fans with them and the kids with them it is it, it's pretty neat. And you have an appreciation of what they go through. I mean, you can see just the mud just caked on them yeah. on, say, what rainy days and uh, how difficult, uh, you know, being a jockey is on a daily basis. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So you mentioned your husband. How did you and Ed get into handicapping contests in the first place? Uh, it started a long, long time ago. We didn't, we didn't know that NHC, uh, National Handicapping Challenge, or, uh, uh, you know, some of the other uh, contests existed at the time uh, that we started. 
And uh, we, we just, you know, uh, naturally went to the track on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, our family would never even invite us to stuff on weekends. Oh, they're, they're going to be at the track. Don't, <laughs> don't even bother fighting me. But, uh, you know, we, we would go to the track a lot. And uh, we started seeing these online contests. Uh, the first one that I saw was Let It Ride, uh, which was just an old uh, format where you had to enter your picks in, in a text format. And oh send it in, uh, to an email, and then somebody had to capture it all, calculate it. Uh, and we won a, a number of different trips to uh, Las Vegas uh, to different parties that, that, that they put on for both the uh, Breeders' Cup and the Kentucky Derby. And uh, so we just, and then a, a friend turned us on to Public Handicapper uh, that Scott Carson yep. put together. And we started playing that, uh, and that was a lot of fun and uh, doing well with that. And then uh, our local OTB had a contest one time, and I believe they were, they were giving away uh, seats to the horse players. Okay. And uh, we had never uh, played in one, and I, I was trying to convince my husband to play. He's like, no, no, you do it, Kelly. So uh, I, I'm playing in the contest, and I, I think I came in like 17th out of 120 from my first Wow. Uh, you know, contest. I was, it was very excited. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, all, I was sitting with both my husband and a friend of ours, um, uh, Dwight, uh, that also plays in the contest. And uh, they were all like, oh, man, we should have done that. We should have done that. Oh, if only we had just, uh, you know, tried it. Because they were all hooked. Once they saw the excitement that, and all the fun that I had, uh, they wanted to play along. And, and that, was, uh, that was the end. Uh, Eddie, uh, his first uh, win uh, was through Brisnet. Uh, he won a free contest uh, where uh, no entry fee, thousand over a thousand people entered. Nice. And uh, he he that was his first win at uh, to the NHC. And once you go to the NHC, man, are you hooked? You you do not, uh, you know, it's just like don't pass go. Let's just keep going. Uh, because you uh, just can't wait to uh, get back there. My first thing is like, oh, so when's the schedule coming out? I want to start planning my whole year around when the different contests are and, and where I'd like to travel or new tracks that I haven't seen before. Uh, it just makes it super fun. And contests are a great way. Uh, I personally much prefer the uh, brick and mortar contests because you establish relationships. That's how I met you. That's uh, right. That's right. Yep. I didn't know you, and uh, we met at the inaugural, uh, I don't think it was the inaugural, but well, maybe it was. Yeah, I think it might we have been, actually. It's a Saratoga yeah, contest. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, you see the same people uh, and many new faces uh, um, coming to the contest over and over and over. And so you get to know them and uh, start talking strategy, options, what people like. And it just makes it super fun. And then once you've established those relationships, it's so fun online because you see the same players the names, as well. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, cool, how neat. So uh, uh, I really, really enjoy that. So that was when you know once we once we got our first uh, trip to NHC, that that was pretty much it. Eddie has qualified uh, seven times. Wow. And I have only qualified three times. No, uh, no, don't, don't say only. Very, I wouldn't say only, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, the first time he qualified, uh, just dating it, he was at the, uh, um, what was the one before Red Rock? Oh, not the Hilton. Um, hmm. Can't remember. Uh, Bally's. Bally's. Okay. Uh, okay. he it was the first year that he played. Uh, the first year I played was Red Rock, which, oh my God, I love that casino. Even though it was off the strip, it was just a lovely property. 
And uh, the first time we both qualified, uh, which we did twice, uh, was when it was at Treasure Island. And, uh, <clears throat> and of course, Treasure Island does a very nice job. They have a really good racing sports book uh, and, uh, you know, take good care of the players uh, there. And yeah. I think they do a nice job putting the event on. I mean, the excitement is just so palatable. You just... You can just feel it uh, in the room and uh, just love all the enthusiasm of the different players. Well, you had me screaming. In your, you had me screaming in your ear this past one, my first time. So I hope your <laughs> I hope your eardrums have recovered. Actually, <laughs> oh, I just love it. I, you know, uh, I, I I believe you should be rooting for your mm-hmm. horse and yelling and hollering and screaming and getting excited. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily good form, but uh, I do know that uh, it feels good. Especially when your horse is on the lead. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So when you and Ed were in contest together, did did you, do you play individual tickets? Do you play as a team? What what you know? Did you have a strategy? Sadly, we never really played as a team, which is very unfortunate because um, we approached handicapping very differently. You know, I, I was more of a, a data analysis uh, type person um, and looking for possible trends or, you know, patterns within the data. And my husband, on the other hand, um, would always look at uh, changes in recency. He was always reading the newspaper and, you know, the, the racing news every day uh, for an hour to just stay up with, you know, what's new, what's hot, what's different. Um, you know, I'm looking for trends and he would factor that in. Uh, and he was also a little bit more patient. You know, he would uh, definitely wait until like uh, the last 10 seconds to get his bet in wow. and uh, factor in the odds. And uh, I'm uh, a little bit too antsy for that. I've got to get it in at least a minute beforehand. Um, so I lose out on some of the the great uh, odds changes uh, that might happen in the last couple of seconds. Well, you solved a you solved a mystery for me there because uh, I would see Ed at the track and he'd have the track program and he'd be making picks to a winning and I was thinking to myself, how the hell is this guy doing it, <laughs> looking at the track program, which doesn't have a lot of information in it, right? Uh, so now, mm-hmm. you know, at least thank you for clearing that mystery up. Well, he also did have a uh, a, a version of Kelly picks in his uh, back pocket in the program as well. It fit in there very nicely. Okay. And uh, he would also uh, use that, but we never collaborated or colluded. Um, which uh, again, had we, I think we would have been quite dangerous uh, together because we had different ways of looking at it. And uh, if we had uh, uh, argued back and forth, I think it would have been uh, uh, even more exciting. But, so, who uh, was the better handicapper, Kelly? You or Ed? Hmm. Well, we, we both had different ways, but, but I would have to say, oh, you know, since Ed qualified seven times and I was three, I, I will give the nod to Ed. Ed used to always give the nod to me, uh, cause that was just the kind of guy he was. But, uh, <clears throat> I keep saying in the past tense, for those that don't know, my, my husband passed months ago. Uh, but, uh, he, uh, <clears throat> he just, uh, loved the game. As a matter of fact, it was, um, <clears throat> very important to him to be able to, do well. Uh, he qualified. We both played this past year with you, Bill, yeah. and our and our friend Dwight. And uh, you know, Ed just uh, uh, you know wanted to pour it on. It was very important to him um, because he knew he was dying of cancer to be able to do well. And he finished thirty third, which was his best yeah. finish ever. And he was so excited. I mean, words cannot describe. He was just like, Woo! 
and uh, so it was great. <clears throat> no, that was great. That was Thanks great to experience. see. Uh, that was great to see, and actually great to be a part of, because um, you know, like you said, he was looking at the at the end there, um, and uh, mm-hmm. so you know, if you can't win yourself, it's it's good to see something like that. Um, so Kelly, let's let's get a let's get a little serious here. You, you know, you're from upstate New York. How did you ever become a Miami Dolphins fan of all things? <laughs> <laughs> of all things, actually, uh, that that was through marriage. Um, Ed Ed just loved the Dolphins. He became hooked in the uh, perfect season in 1972. Um, he just loved Zonka and Shula and Greasy, and just felt that you know they were just so awesome. And, uh, you know, when they were doing terrible, you know, he was, uh, he was, you know, I think he also liked to, to root for the underdog. So I think that kept him going, uh, loving Miami. And, uh, so I suggested we try to get season. We, we went to a game and just had such a hoop. Uh, the Miami games down in Florida are just, uh, phenomenal. Uh, one, because they're warm and comfortable and nice. Uh, but because so many people aren't from Miami, there's so many transplants that half the uh, stadium is uh, decked out in the opposing team and the other in Miami guard. So it just makes it super fun. So we we love to invite our friends down, you know, especially the Buffalo and New England uh, fans because they play in the same uh, division. It just makes uh, those rivalries uh, even more exciting. And I found tailgating to be quite fun. And uh, it's just, you know, it's not a a long drive from uh, where we, we stay. And it's just a super fun way. So Eddie was very excited. Uh, you know, he was a little sad with the uh, Dolphins with their performance. Uh, he would have been so thrilled to see them do so well this year. Uh, yeah, and he I'm sure he's up in heaven rooting for him. So, so Kelly, you spend your winters in South Florida. I have to ask you, um, old Gulf Stream versus new Gulf Stream, because a lot of people have opinions about that. What do, what do, what do you have to say? Uh, well, I'm not into like all the, the shopping and the restaurants and the, the silliness that they've done down there. That being said, I mean, I think uh, Frank Stronach did a beautiful job building it. Um, it. It does look lovely. I personally prefer the old one. Um, and, and it's uh, more than just the uh, track. It uh, has to do with even the, the race schedule. Years ago when we were uh, working tools, uh, we would, uh, you know, obviously have to run away from the cold and snow and ice and go down to Gulfstream every winter. And one of my favorite, they used to have the Fountain of Youth right around Valentine's Day. So that was our okay. little treat to ourselves every year was to run down to Florida for Valentine's Day and uh, go to the races. And then they moved it to like the, around the 1st of March. It's kind of wrecked the, the Valentine's Day stuff. Uh, but you know, it, it is pretty, I, I missed the seats, but, uh, mm. you know, I, my personal favorite of the, uh, uh, golf stream, the old golf stream was the paddock. And, and I don't know why, but it just had this sense that you were so much closer to the horses and it just was just such a fun experience. Um, while it is nice that they've got that seating around the ring and, and quite unique, like it's brutally hot there, sun's mm. beating on you. Uh, and you can't really get as close. And then when you're trying to navigate and walk around the track, so you want to just go out, look at the horses, and then get back in to, to go bet or do something, uh, it's very difficult to navigate. Oh, okay. I personally am not overly thrilled with casinos and horse racing um, together. I'm, I'm more of a horse racing fan than a casino fan. And uh, so 
I don't find it as, uh, you know, as uh, much fun uh, for me. I, I much prefer to uh, watch the races. I, you know, much prefer live racing to uh, simulcast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. we'll do that as well. But uh, no, I have to say I, I do like the older, uh, but it is pretty. I mean, I, I will give him that, that uh, you know, he had a dream and a vision and he pulled it off. I just that I go there the first day that the track opens in December and buy my, my tickets for what I want for the year so that I'm able to uh, go to big race days. Nice, nice. And have a place to sit down. All right. So, well, listen, Kelly, thanks a lot. You've been a great guest. Um, and as a little token of my appreciation, I'm going to dip into my goodie grab bag of gift certificates and I'm going to award you with a $25 gift certificate gift certificate to the Electric Grinch Restaurant in Schenectady, New York. That's right in your backyard, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and Thank I you, su- Bill. I assume with a name like that, it's open Christmas Day probably, right? So you can go there and get your Christmas Oh, no dinner. doubt. Oh, no. It's <laughs> Grinch for Christmas. Uh-huh. All right, Kelly. Listen, thanks very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Good luck. Now we're going to turn to our big score story. As someone who publishes an annual, somewhat irreverent Kentucky Derby guide to friends and family, I can appreciate the pressure those of us who are known as quote-unquote horse racing guys feel at that time of year. It's a 20-horse cavalry charge full of solid contenders and ranked pretenders, and when you get it wrong, which is easier to do with the mayhem a 20-horse field can create, you will hear about it. So it's nice when you get it right. Jamie Michelson did just that with this year's Kentucky Derby, so Jamie, why don't you tell us about that big score? Thanks, Bill. Okay, so big score story. I, I mean, other than NHC or you know phone court check and all that kind of excitement, uh, I, it, it's been a while. But um, it's not exactly a huge score, but you'll you'll understand. So there's one day every year where I get texts from people I only hear from once a year and all, and that's you know the day of or day before the Kentucky Derby, right? You sure. probably have it happen too. And, and it's the hardest race to handicap and be right. 20 horses, full field, carrying 126 pounds, going a mile and a quarter. I'm rarely right. And this year, and, but you're on, you're, you know, then you're a public handicapper for a day, and you're giving out. And, and this year, I'm, I'm proud to say I kind of nailed the win, place, exacta, trifecta for myself and a bunch of other people. Not a huge score in total dollars, but it, it always feels good to cash in that race and kind of be right. And I watched the race on my phone at a truck stop outside of Omaha, Nebraska, because my wife and I were traveling back from the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting. Well, that makes it a great story in and of itself that you were dedicated enough to watch it on your phone at a truck stop. And I agree with you. The public handicapping aspect of the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure and people will, no, no one is shy about coming up to you after the race or sending you a note saying, wow, you had that one wrong, you know, so to have it right, that's, that's pretty big. And that is a big score. <laughs> I am so much better in the Preakness and in the Belmont having seen the horses run the first class ticket, but not as many people care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 20 horse cavalry charges are difficult. Is that what you're trying to say? Is that, uh, is that your point? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. And finally, Scott Carson is going to join us this week as our guest handicapper. Scott's been tearing it up on the contest front this year. Scott, I believe you are uh, NHC double qualified. Is that correct? Yes, that is. It is. All right. So uh, 
I'd love to hear what race you picked, and I hope you can give us a pick that will help a bunch of our listeners join, uh, join you in uh, Vegas next February, including yours truly. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, so I'm doing the 10th race at Churchill. It's the River City Handicap. It's a mile and eighth grass race. They should be on the grass. There's only eight horses, so it's a reasonable. It's not going to be completely chaotic. And the horse that I like is the one, Master Marion. Okay, Master Marion. Um, yeah, I like him. He's 10 to 1 morning line. And I think he's going to go off higher than that because he's going up against a bunch of stakes horses, including Mr. Misunderstood, who's going to be the favorite. He's the 8 to 5 morning line favorite. He's also going up against Oscar nominated, who's usually well backed mm. and you know runs in, in all stakes races. And the other horse, Big Changes, who's another Brad Cox horse, who is riding a five race winning streak. He's actually five for five uh, this oh. year, and beat Master Marion in his last race. So I, I, I and just any opinion that I've seen has completely written off Master Marion. So um, the way I look at it, um, based on my handicapping, and I'll, and I'll, I'll explain why yeah. I like the horse, but I, yeah, I think he is the most likely winner of the race, and I think he's going to go off higher than 10 to 1. So I'd say at the 10 to 1 or, or less price, that he's... Uh, He's a pick that I might bet modestly, but not get too excited about. But if he goes any higher than ten to one, then it uh, starts reaching into uh, crushable territory <laughs> where you know you want to start to send it in. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so the first thing I'll just mention is on the sheets, uh, Master Marion matched his top of three two races ago, and then he had trouble in his last race. So in my projections, he's going to run a three or better as a healthy four-year-old. And to put it in perspective, big changes in his last race ran at two. And Mr. Mr. Understood, if I said that right, uh, is he ran a four. And his top is a one and a half. So, so they're very closely matched. And... I think Master Mary is going to run the best race of his life, and to me, that's that's when you send it in. When a horse looks like he's going to run the best race of his life, and other people don't see it. Uh, the one reason they don't see it is because they're not using the sheets. Um, the other reason they aren't going to see it uh, is because if you're looking at Master Mary's last running line, it says he was. It just says bump start gaining. Well, whenever I see something like that, any kind of trouble at the beginning, I always watch the replay, yeah. and I make sure I get a look at the head-on. And he not only was bumped at the start, but he was pinballed. He went bounced back and forth like four times between the two horses that he was between. And uh, the pinball is it's, it's sort of a... It, it's the kind of thing that can shake up a horse. Oh, so, so it's the worst thing that can happen, I think, at the start. is the, Yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't like he was drastically thrown all over the place, but he was pinballed. Mm -hmm. And he was farther back than he's been in any of his other races. Right. So he, he ran well to get up to third. He was gaining on the winner. The winner had a perfect trip from the outside, 
and um, and that Sumerian did not. So, so I think that he's unless you see the beginning of that race, you're going to think, oh yeah, he was bumped, whatever. And he finished third. The big changes. Why? For what reason? What possible reason would anybody pick Master Marion over Big Changes, who's won five times, and Master Marion is over five? So I have a few other angles. Uh, he carries a little less weight than Big Changes, and four pounds less than mm. Mister Misunderstood. Uh, he starts from the rail. And he has enough speed, in, based on his previous time form pace numbers, he's either going to be right on the lead or right behind big changes. But because big changes always wins from just off the pace, I think that he's going to let Master Marion dictate the pace. Yeah. And it's going to be a slow pace. Yep, yep. So, so he's going to save ground from the rail. Even if he only runs a three, which I, I think he's going to run at least a three and maybe better than a three, uh, he's going to save ground uh, on these other horses, except for any horse that might be you know st- stay on the rail the whole trip. He can still win this race, and um, he can win this race even if he only runs a three. But I think he's going to run a two, and that's going to that's going to win the race. Well, you know, you've raised a lot of good points in here. And, you know, he, he gets the rail, which means he's going to be able to save ground if he can show that speed. And and when you mentioned this was the race you were looking at, I, I pulled it up and I started going through it. And I thought at first that Master Merriam might be lone speed. And then I saw, you know, big changes. But you hit on something really important, um, you know. Because cause the, the person who doesn't look very closely, I'd say, well, maybe he's not really a speed horse because they look at that last race and they say, well, he didn't really show any speed. And they might not even look at the replay, like bump start. But but I'm with you. I Whenever I see a comment like that, I always want to see the replay and I want to see the head on so I can determine how bad it really – because sometimes it'll say that and it's not really that bad. Um, but, you know, if you see it and the horse is pinballed like that and he's a speed horse – you can argue he was taken out of his race right away, and yet he finished third by just a length and was gaining at the end, even with that disadvantageous start. When he was bet, by the way, at nine to two, and you're projecting, you know, north of ten to one. That's uh, uh, look. Look, the only way you can make money in this game is by being a contrarian, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I'm looking. If people are exhausted and they're handicapping. They're going to look at that replay, but people aren't, and that's where the value is. Um, you know, big changes also, and and I keep on thinking, you know, I, I'm sort of projecting him to be the biggest threat. Uh, he is over two at the distance, and his last loss was here at Churchill last year. Oh wow! At a mile and eight. <laughs> Uh, so, and, and, and in that race, he actually went for the lead, had the lead, and he lost at, as the two-to-one favorite. So, with Le Peru on there, there's no chance that that horse is on the lead. Right. And Master Marion should run, like, really soft fractions. Um, Master Marion has never gone the distance. I, I have noted that. Uh, but his mother is, was a two-time stake winner, riding on the turf. And every one of his siblings ran faster as uh, a router than they did sprinting. So, uh, so I think that bodes well for his chances there. And uh, I might also add 
that Master Marion is working gangbusters. Yes. Uh, he's got shows yes. two bullets since his last race, and he does tend to run bullets, but that's okay. I mean, you know, like it's, they're not like the best workouts of his life, but they're as good as his uh, other workouts. And and um, and then and then finally, his best race of last year was at the very end of the year. Uh, at this time, he won a stake. He won a stake at Del Mar. Now he was the even money favorite, but he won a stake at Del Mar. You know, and that was that was his biggest sheet number of the year. So, I think this is just the time of year. Yeah. Sometimes horses, uh, when I look at the sheets, I'll see that they either run fast early in the year and then they're done, or they run fast only at the end of the year. And Maximilian looks like the kind of horse that's potentially is going to peak. He did last year, so at 10 to 1, I'm going to project him to peak out again this year. You know, Scott, that's an angle I really love is seeing, you know, a time of year with a horse. Um, and, and I think it, it's it, you're only going to get that if you really can, you know, dive into the past performances too, right? You really got to – I think any handicapping effort is about constructing a story. And, and sometimes you see that kind of storyline hidden in there. And I think it's easy to, to overlook or, or just to not think about. But I, I'm with you. I believe that there are horses who thrive at – certain times of year and certain weather conditions, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and speaking of weather conditions, I note as I look at Master Marion too, even though I think that, you know, they'll be on the turf tomorrow, I would argue at this time of year, there's likely more given the ground than there is, let's say, in, in June. And this horse has handled off-going very, very well throughout um, his career. So even if it's listed as firm, you know, there. I, I would say there's likely going to be some give in the ground, um, and uh, I think that that he should only benefit from that. Yeah, uh, you know, if you look at his April eighth race at Keeneland, it was on yielding, and I don't know if it'll be that bad at Churchill, but in that race he had the lead, and I, I remember that race because I loved Offering Plan. I sent it in on Offering Plan because he was loaded for bear. Um, yeah, you know, based on my handicapping, I was 100% sure, so I loaded up on offering plan. And that Master Marion got second to that horse in that race, and offering plan went on to win a stake after that, I think. Yeah. He also beat Inspector Lindley, who won a big stake at Saratoga. Sure. So man, that was his best race of the year, and it was on the off going. So, and you know, he has the excuses after that. He stumbled at the start in the Hansham. When he went to Europe, that doesn't, you know, to me, that doesn't count. That's like a whole, you know, right, he got right. stuck in customs, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in in the, the September 6th race, there's no way he was going to beat next shares who ran Vibals out. But I also noticed in that race that not only was he not near the pace, but he was not persisted with in the stretch. Once Garcia uh, noticed that, okay. like, the horses were sort of, he was five lengths back, and there was just no way he had already run. Up. He had made a big five wide move around the turn. He he didn't whip him, you know. He just just kind of rode him out, and yeah. he still ran. He matched his top on the sheets, but for his next race, which was going to be huge, 
but he was pinballed at the start. So now the huge race is today. Today, yeah. Well, uh, I, you know, that's another good reason to watch replays is because you do see that sometimes. A horse has had some trouble or, you know, is out of it, and, and, and the jockey wraps up on the horse, and yet, you know, like you said, still ran a, a pretty credible race. And, you know, the other thing about Kentucky Downs, I my own opinion is when you're stuck in one of those outside posts with those big, wide, sweeping turns, that's a that's a tough go. That's a tough go. Yeah, and he, you know, he was he was five wide in that race, yeah. and uh, he looked, you know, he was threatening. He had a, it was a middle move, you know, around a turn, and then he, you know, he just he didn't have enough, and that's okay because he was coming off a layoff. It was a two month layoff, or maybe six weeks. Um, and another interesting thing about that particular race, and this gets back to replays, is. At the start of the race, the announcer said, Dr. Mountie stumbled at the start. And I had handicapped a race with Dr. Mountie in his, his, uh, where he won at Laurel off that Kentucky Downs race. And I said, I don't remember that being in his running line that he stumbled at the start. So I checked the chart, and the chart just says Dr. Mountie was never a factor. The chart doesn't even say that wow. Dr. Mountie stumbled at the start. So... You can't trust the chart. I mean, sometimes you can. The charts are usually good. But you know, if you see a horse like Dr. Mounty run a clunker, which is which is what he did in that race at, at 6-1, to one, yeah. you might want to take a look to see, is there something that you were missing? And uh, that's what you would see. Now, that's a, it's a, you know, that's a completely different race, but it's just something that I noticed that I now made a trip note for which, uh, you know, Dr. Mounty went on his next race. He won at 26 to 1. And, um, you know, I, I wish I had known that he had stumbled at the start. I, I thought he had a chance in his last race. But I didn't, like, I didn't feel like, yeah, he's going to win it. So I didn't bet it. But if I had seen the stumble, I might have bet it. Well, Scott, I'll tell you what—you've got me convinced on, on Master Mary, and I'm going to send it in. I, it sounds like a great pick, actually. It sounds like a great pick, and and uh, you know our guest handicappers have—they've uh, uh, ROI of just over 100 percent so far this year. So, ten to one or north—that'll really jump us way up there. That's fantastic. Thank you. All right, sure. Uh, all right. Let's hope he wins. Yeah. All right. All right, Scott. Listen, have a great day. All right, and thanks again. Appreciate right. it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us again for this week's episode of Can Do. Next week being Thanksgiving, which I consider a time to enjoy and reflect with friends and family, we won't be issuing a new podcast. Sad events like the death of Odonis Acuna highlight the importance of treasuring that time with your friends and family. So not only may the horse be with you, but may the turkey, the trimmings, and the best of the holiday be with you also. We'll see you again with a new podcast on Friday, December 7th. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Here in the telegraph For more of it, I'll bite I hear his foot's all right A boss at all deep, pens of big red Last night, I know it's violent